First slide. Yes. Not what you were expecting. You like my diehard slide? Yeah. Yeah. Listen. We already knew that Die Hard was the greatest Christmas movie of all time. That's just science. Uh, what you didn't know is that it was also the greatest Easter movie of all time. You just didn't know why. Okay, so that's, that's a cliffhanger. We'll come back to that. Uh, the resurrection is not good news. I want to look at the scripture that Jordan read one more time, and then it's going to be participation time, so get ready. Going into the tomb, the women saw a young man in a white robe seated on the right side, and they were startled. But he said to them, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He isn't here. Look, here's the place where they laid him. Go tell his disciples, especially Peter, that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. Overcome with terror and dread, they fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Uh, upon hearing the news that the Jesus, their Lord, the one they had followed, had been risen, there is no celebration. They are not rejoicing and dancing. They are filled with dread. They don't receive this as good news, right? They don't hear this as good news. Why? So then I'm going to open it up to you. Why in the world would the women, Mary, Salome, others, respond with fear? Haven't they been listening and paying attention, right? Jesus has kind of said, alluded that this might happen. What do you think? Why afraid? Chris doesn't get to answer because he is the inspiration for this. He, he sent me uh, an essay, and so uh, anyone besides Chris can take a shot at it. And don't worry, when you're wrong, I'm just going to say it directly, like, you're wrong. No, I'm kidding. That, this is open. Come on. What do you think? Yeah, Nancy. Yeah, good. Let's do it. Let's guess. Um, maybe they're afraid because they think, okay, someone's stolen the body. Oh. Yeah, maybe their first thought is someone stole it, and if that's true, then maybe there are enemies of followers of Jesus uh, about. That's possible, absolutely. Yeah? It's never been done before. Uh, you mean someone coming back to life? Yes. Uh, often when people encounter angels, for instance, the first thing the angel has to say is don't be afraid because it's scary to encounter things that are... So maybe it's just the, the awe or the power of it that is frightening. What else? What do you think? Yeah, Brian. I think for me, if, like, if this thing is true, then it insists upon everything about me being changed. It's a, it's a, really, it's a major change. Like I have to look back at Jesus' life now and go, oh, I can't do that. Hmm. Yeah, this is not a, a small thing like, oh, Joe, maybe, it would be, maybe you should pray a little bit more. This is like my whole theological imagination, my whole worldview, all of the ways that it gets turned upside down. I think about all my experiences with Jesus differently now. Uh, my relationship to death differently now. Like all kinds of things are revolutionized. So maybe that might create fear. 
Yeah, Jackie. Let's, let's what's <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is my favorite place in the whole wide world. Yeah, I mean that, right? What do you mean the body's not here? There was just like a four-ton stone rolled in the front of it, right? Like, what's going on? Yeah, M. I do not have a fully formed thought. Good. But, um, like, the fact that they are women. Mm. So that, like, already they are not seen as valid, safe, somebody to be listening to. And then they're yeah. the ones charged with coming out with this outlandish, um, you know, message to all of these men who <laughs> mm. are, you know, and so, like, as a woman, that also feels really kind of terrifying, I imagine. Wow. Okay, see, this is why you open it up to people, because uh, as, a, I'm, as a man, I totally missed that entirely from the reading, but I think there's something really important here, right? So, so you're, you're going to, in the ancient world, like, let's just, like, first century, you're going to let a, a women get to be the ones to go tell the men that a dead person came back to life. Like, they already don't believe us. They already don't listen to us. We're already treated like property. Yeah. Why would you put this news into our mouth? How, how is how's anyone going to believe us or respond? Oh, I, I think that feels, that is real. Yeah. And I would love for us to have made more progress in the last 2,000 years in believing women. But that, that's a real thing for them to feel like now we're burdened with the responsibility of, of proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus in a world that is not going to believe it. And we just watched him get killed. Yeah, Jackie. Oh. That's right. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're gonna be. There's gonna. The assumption will be there will be gonna be accusations made. People aren't gonna be like, oh no. Remember when Mary and Salome told us that Jesus came back to life? We totally believe. It's not gonna be like that. It's gonna be like you've lost your mind. You're crazy. Uh, we don't believe you. You're lying. Amanda, did you have your hand? Oh, I, I'm sorry. From my perspective, it looks like your hand on her body. Like you know what I mean? It's, it's like. I I now I formally split the credit between Emily and Kelly for that wonderful comment. Uh, this is great. This is great. So uh, my pers- I uh, I come came up with something different, and I didn't come up with it at all. I read something different, and I'm going to steal it. But you can judge a person by what they plagiarize. So I am plagiarizing from Richard Beck. So Chris sent me a, a blog post by Richard Beck. I love this man. Uh, he was here a few years ago, uh, uh, the church, and Chris, and we helped bring him out, and he spoke at NNU. He's a Christian psychologist at Abilene Christian University. He's got lots of books I can recommend, but a free thing is it's called Experimental Theology, and he writes a blog about various issues. So he was curious about the concept of the women being filled with dread and terror and scared. Like, why is that your response to such amazing news? So he says, think about it for a minute. Just put it in our context. 
Is it ever good news in the movies when the good guy survives? Like the bad guys are like, oh, surely John McClane is dead. I mean, we just blew up the roof, right? Sir, we need to get those detonators. Like certainly John McClane is dead. And then it's like, oh, he's not dead. It's not like that's good news. It's bad news. Like, and now he's miffed. Now John McClane's got a real motivation, right? The next slide, another, another American great. I mean, surely Rambo has to be dead. We've blown him up eight times. But when you learn he's not dead, the bad guys don't rejoice. They cower in fear because now he's really upset. So imagine for a moment you're the disciples who fled. You're the disciples who fell asleep in the garden when he asked you to pray. You're the crowd who a week earlier was like, Hosanna in the highest, and then you were saying, crucify him. Imagine if you're those followers. Jesus is risen is terrifying. That's not good news. Because we all know what happens. Jesus is going to come back and clean house. Jesus is going to come back and hold you to account. The resurrected Christ. And in fact, what's the disciple that gets named? Oh, make sure you tell Peter especially. I got a special message for that guy because he denied me three times before the... No, I'm being serious. I don't think that's there accidentally. So the women are like, oh my gosh, I got to go tell these men that they're all going to die. <laughs> Jesus is literally going to kill them. Like that's, he's not dead. And so I think this is part, although I kind of like Emily's answer better, but we're going to go with this one. They're scared. And the expectation is that the world is about, the logic of blood in the world is revenge. Eye for an eye. You take one of mine, I take 10 of yours. You mess with my family, I mess with your world. <laughs> right? That's the logic of the world. That's human nature. Right? That's my nature. And the assumption is because Jesus has been betrayed, wronged by Judas, by Peter, by his followers, by the crowd that were chanting Hosanna. He has been betrayed. His resurrection does not sound like good news. And then comes the surprise that the resurrected Jesus, when he encounters Peter for the first time, gives Peter, right, offers Peter forgiveness three times. It's like he makes up for it. Do you love me, Peter? Yes. Feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Yes. Feed my lambs. The resurrected Jesus reversing Peter's betrayal and transforming it into forgiveness. The resurrected Jesus not denying Thomas's doubt, but says, Thomas, come closer, touch the wounds. Jesus comes not to get revenge, not as Rambo or John McClane. Jesus comes in a totally different way. And the moment we recognize that Christ comes to us in peace and in love and in forgiveness, the moment we accept that, the story of our lives shifts. The, the way in which we engage the world shifts. To embrace that love and that forgiveness is to say yes, and I'm going to pay it forward. I'm going to live into the way of Christ. The logic where blood is about peace and forgiveness and it's not about revenge. I'm guessing, I'm just going to take a guess, that some of you here have feelings of deep shame 
and guilt. And you feel like you've made lots of mistakes. Maybe even like you just are a screw up. And you feel insecure and anxious as a result of that. You have fear. And all I can tell you is that Jesus comes to tell you that that, those are lies. That you're not wrong. That you are a child of God. That you are forgiven. The Easter message is you're not going to get what you deserve. That Jesus doesn't look at you with eyes of anger and judgment, but with eyes of compassion. Like, oh, sweetheart, do you need a hug? This is what he does to the disciples who betrayed him. This is how he responds. I really, really wish Judas would have hung on a little longer and we would have had another beautiful story of forgiveness. You will not be judged by your worst moments. I assure you of that. You just have to learn how to hear what is true and what is real. If we're willing to receive the Easter message, the challenge is twofold, though. It's to accept it for ourselves to embrace it and to put our feet on a new path to live into a different way of being so that the second challenge is we can share it with the world. That we then get to extend love and grace and forgiveness to others. We get to be bearers of peace. We get to come and be part of a community that says when we have more land than we need, we will build houses. When we have a parsonage, we will help people resettling. When we have extra time, we'll work with Afghan men. When a school needs help, we're going to go to Taft. We get to share love and grace and peace with a world that clearly needs it. Because the world that I live in and I engage in when I watch the news is like tit for tat and angry and vengeful. And they need people like us to stand up and speak up and live into the way of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. So you've got your elements, because now we're going to participate in this way. We're going to approach a table that is about the body and the blood. It is about remembering the sacrifice of Christ, but it's not just remembering. You have to understand that the communion table is this beautiful sacrament that is not just a reminder of the past. It is a moral call into our future that we become the body of Christ collectively broken and poured out for the world, flooding it with a sense of God's love and grace and peace, standing up for justice, being a voice for the voiceless, becoming the hands and feet of Christ. So when we take the bread and the juice, this is a big deal. This is like a commitment. Like, yes, I'm accepting the call to not be Rambo and to not be John McClane. I'm accepting the call to be the broken body of Christ in the world.